0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. First John, amen. First John chapter 4 verse 18. How many were here last week? How many have been here for my Free Indeed series? It's been powerful. I believe that, remember, there's a difference between deliverance and freedom. Many people in the body of Christ are delivered, but they're not free. And we have heard so many testimonies. As a matter of fact, you guys made me feel good last week because last week it was a short service and I spoke about of offense, overcoming the seed of offense. And everyone said, Pastor that's the best message I've heard you since you started RCC. I'm like, yes, amen. I'm like, what about the others? Praise God. No, but I, I do felt, felt the power of God strongly. And, um. You know, a lot of people have said, you're only a church of four months. You already have podcasts. Yeah, we have iTunes. We have fully edited podcasts. We have a fully uh, fully staffed uh, marketing team. <laughs> one, one marketing team staff, but they're doing, we have a marketing team. Uh, but uh, what I'm saying is that there's a buzz about what the Lord is doing. And uh, really, we're just really uh, excited about what Jesus is doing in our midst. And, and everyone said, all right, I want to continue uh, for this. And then I'm going to end it probably in the next two weeks. Uh, on continue to identify areas of bondage, say bondage, because a lot of times people think bondage is only demons coming out of of people and foaming at the mouth. But as you realize, last week we talked about overcoming offense, we realized how many people really were bound by offense, right? And I said last week, offense is an incident, being offended is a decision, But today I'm gonna talk about one of the, what I call another stealth bondage that people don't realize is bondage because it happens every day. How many understand that just because things are normal of everyday life doesn't mean that it's not bondage? Amen? So uh, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4, very uh, popular form of scripture. And I'm gonna really give you a lot of scriptures today because I wanna tackle this snare. That, I'm going, that you're going to see, and why it's bondage. And I'm here to tell you, this is probably, other than offense last week, what almost everyone struggles with, and we don't call it bondage. But it's time that we call bondage, bondage, so we get free from it. If we don't call bondage, bondage, we will never desire to get free from it. Amen? We just think it's part of our everyday life. Now look at what First John chapter 4 says, because I'm, I don't say this negatively, but I believe in my spirit, the majority of Christians struggle with this bondage, what I'm about to tell you, majority and because it's so common we don't realize it's bondage. All right. First John chapter 4 verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love cast out what? Fear. Now watch this. This is how I know it's bondage. Because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, I know we've had so many preachers preach on this. We've had so many people talk about different angles of this scripture, about being perfected in love and and about um, the uh, the there is no fear in love. That is absolutely correct. But what I want to tackle it from the angle of calling it what it is. Fear is not just an emotion that you and I struggle with or you and I have uh, partake in, in our everyday life. Fear is torment. And if fear brings torment, anything that's tormenting is not good. And if it's not good, it's bondage. We are not supposed to deal with any type of fear. One of the most common bondages in the body of Christ today is what I call the fear factor, because the fear factor is in, has so many branches and so many compartments that we convince ourselves that it's just a part of everyday life, but it's not, because I'm, I'm here to tell you this, if torment was good, then torment would be considered a non-slavery type of thing, but torment involves slavery torment involves pain torment involves bondage and if fear brings torment then guess what fear is bondage now when i say f- the fear factor i'm not necessarily being saying being scared of the dark or being suddenly spooked by somebody although it could it could uh, include that there are some people that are afraid of the dark and i'm not trying to minimize that that but i'm not only talking about being afraid of the dark or or being spooked like afraid i'm talking about hear me now, a debilitating reality that does not allow you to, to walk in the fullness of God. What I'm about to tell you is this. According to statistics, over 80% of Christians so, suffer with some sort of fear. Say fear. Fear. And it's not just the fear of demons. It's not just a fear of darkness. The fear that I'm talking about has so many compartments and so many areas that it doesn't be recognized as fear because we only think fear is one aspect. But I'm going to tackle about three or four different branches. Here, let me just say something about, um, about uh, roots. Okay, When you got to get free from something, you got to get to the root. Say the root not the branches, but what you are dealing with, what you and I are dealing with sometimes are branches, and we're not going to the root. You know, the, the charismatic church, uh, uh, it has a spirit for everything. <laughs> come on, that was a good way to say amen. This is like the spirit of nicotine. the spirit I come out, uh, I come against the spirit of smoking. There's no, there's no demon smoking right next to you. Like, what, what, there's, that we, 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 we have to understand, even for sickness, you know, there's a, the, the, the spirit of leukemia. I understand that God understands that what we're saying when we're praying, he's not going to shut his ear saying, what is he talking about, spirit of leukemia? But really, if you want to go to the root of it, let's call it what the Bible says, not what some charismaniacs say. Amen? Because the truth is, there's a spirit of infirmity that, watches branches out into different types of sicknesses. So the root, say the root. Is a spirit of infirmity, and out of the root comes cancer, leukemia, comes all kinds of diseases. Well, the root in this, one of the roots in the Bible is fear. Say fear. One of the roots of of, of the Bible, of of what we call the root spirit, is fear. But fear has branches. Everybody say branches. Now watch. I'm going to get good now. I'm just going to my intro. Fear has branches of. Are you ready? And this, this is why it's stealth, because people always struggle with it. Worry anxiety it got quiet see as long as we say fear that's really a monster bondage but when I start talking about bondage as sorry as as worry as anxiety as insecurity then people tune me off because they think that's just normal life listen if I were to stand up here and say pornography is bondage and we be like that's right preach it, pastor if I were to say you know what drug addiction is bondage you're like that's right amen But if I would say worry is bondage and is sin to yield to, you'd be like, no, 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 no. Come on. You're just being a little bit religious because everybody worries. And if you have had anxiety attacks or any type of anxiety, that is a branch that is rooted in the spirit of fear. And what you have to understand is that when you have anxiety issues, worry issues, insecurity issues, all those are symptoms of the root of torment, of fear. Because fear brings torment. And the big one that I'm going to talk about today that is, is a silent killer in the church when it comes to fear is the fear of man. The need for the approval of people in your life for you to function. Let me preach good this morning. We don't see that as a big deal, but it is is a bondage to every believer that I know that they don't say the truth because they don't want to hear the ramifications of people that they look up to or they want to have their approval of. Fear is bondage because it's debilitating. I want you to put that up there. Fear is bondage because it's debilitating and it cripples every part of your life. Fear cripples every part of your life. If anything is that is debilitating or crippling or paralyzing is bondage. I'm going to say that again. Anything that's debilitating, anything that's crippling, anything that's paralyzing, do you guys agree, is bondage. And fear cripples you from progressing in God. Now, the branches that I'm going to talk about first are worry and anxiety. Now, worry and anxiety... And the reason why it's quiet is because we don't identify worry and anxiety as a bondage because everybody worries. But just because everybody worries, does that make it not bondage? Do you realize that you, I know this sounds pretty deep, but do you realize that it's actually not normal in the kingdom of God to suffer from worry and anxiety all the time? It's not, it's not normal to have that as part of your everyday life because what fuels, now this is just powerful, what fuels Worry and anxiety is the, the fear of not having enough, the fear of losing, the fear of failure, the fear of loss, the fear of pain. That what fuels worry and anxiety. But you know what the trigger is? The trigger to worry and anxiety is, is what you and I choose to focus on. Woo! The trigger... For the bondage of worry or the bondage of anxiety is what you and I choose to focus on. Think about the times where anxiety hits you, or fear hits you, or worry hits you. It's because you're focusing on your bank account, you're focusing on a problem with your child, you're focusing on a problem with your job, you're focusing on a problem with your marriage, and because you focus, it's all about focus, when you focus on a certain thing, the degree of anxiety will either go up or down. Based on what you are looking at, or what we focus on, will determine our anxiety level. Listen, What you and I choose to focus on will determine our fear level, our worry level, or anxiety level. Listen, faith comes by hearing of the word. But worry, fear, when it comes to worry and anxiety, comes by what you focus on. So faith comes by hearing. Worry comes by what you focus on. Here's the question, guys. Think about what you're afraid of. Think about what you're focusing on. Peter, and I'm going to give you a lot of examples because of time, but they're in Scripture. Peter was afraid but he was afraid not because there was a spirit of fear it's because he was focusing on the wrong thing when the presence sorry when the promise was right in front of him when Peter got out of the boat let me tell you something he may be a little jacked up in his faith he may be a little bit messed up with all the stuff he was doing but he's the only person other than Jesus that was walking on water last time I checked me and you didn't walk on water he walked on water, and, as, and I know this is very popular and cliche-ish, but I need to say this because some of the greatest things that will give you freedom is the most simplest truths in the body. If you're looking for a deep truth that set you free, then you, then probably you're not going to get fully free. It's the simplicity of Christ that sets us free. And so Peter was walking on water, and although he was walking on water, he chose to focus on the problem instead of the promise. How many people in our RCC community or in uh, in the body of Christ worldwide are struggling with worry and anxiety and not even know it because they're not focusing on the promise that's in front of them but the problem that's in front of them. There's always going to be a problem and what you choose to focus on will determine your anxiety level. The reason why many people have anxiety issues and worry issues is because you're looking at something that's very evident right now in your life. Can I hear an amen? But here's the thing about this branch, or I call it the branch, that's very dangerous, is that this branch will also produce a very strong branch. Worry and anxiety will produce a very strong branch called doubt. Now, many of you have not connotated or or, or related doubt to fear, but I'm going to tell you by Scripture, I'm going to show you, that in Jesus' eyes, fear and doubt are synonymous. Fear, and you say, wait a minute, PG, wait, wait. I, I, I understand everybody doubts every now and then. Everybody doubts. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The book of James says, if you want something from God, let ne- not have doubt in your heart because that man is a double-minded way. And you think I'm tough? Gee, I mean, James was a gangster. Because he said, don't expect anybody to receive anything from the Lord. I'm like, come on, just a little bit? He said, if you have doubt in your heart, don't expect to receive anything. Not some things. Anything from the Lord. So what happens when you and I give in to worry, say worry, and anxiety. By the way, that's the root of fear, okay? When we talk about fear, we don't talk about worry and anxiety anymore. You know why? Because that's so normal. Can I hear an amen? But worry and anxiety will produce fear, and they're synonymous in the scripture. Because fear and doubt, Jesus called Peter's fear doubt. I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 14 real quick. It's going to be up on the screen, verse 27. Verse 27. I'm gonna spare you the story because many of you know the story. Jesus, he's on the boat. Jesus calls him out of the boat. He says, Come, it is I. So he comes out. So as he comes out and he realizes he's walking on water, Jesus actually recognized he was afraid. See, let me pause and say this. Jesus knows exactly where you're at in your life. He He didn't say, Well, what's going on? I'm Jesus. He goes, I know that you're afraid because in verse 27, it says this Immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be what? Do not be what? Okay, so if you jump down to verse 31, he's calling Peter, hey, it's me. Don't be fearful. I'm here. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. I've got you. I know it may seem a little rough right now, but the the, the problem is in front of you, but the promise is near you. Okay? And so then in verse 31, look at what Jesus said. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter, and he said to him, oh, you little faith, look at this, why did you doubt? Notice that Jesus didn't say, you little faith, why did you fear? Because he just recognized fear in Peter's life, okay, just a couple of verses ago. But then when he fell and and was worrying about the, the, the storms in his life and looking at the storm instead of Jesus, he fell. And instead of saying, why did you fear? He said, why did you doubt Doubt is a branch of fear. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to set you free. Doubt is not, I know this sounds super spiritual, but please hear me. How many want to get rid of these things? Then you know what? These little things that we have come to grasp as normal, we have to see them as our enemy. Doubt is not a normal part of our Christian life. It doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means that if you constantly give in to anxiety and constantly give in to fear, you will release the spirit of fear that has a branch of doubt. So fear is connected to doubt, and doubt is connected to fear. I want you to think of fear and doubt as two brothers and sisters. They're synonymous to each other. Because if the enemy can't get you back to the world, like many of you, you're in too deep. You're in with the Lord. If he can't get you back to the world, he'll get you to have anxiety. Think about people, and I'm not, please, please hear me now. There's people that have sudden panic attacks and sudden anxiety attacks. Either they, 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 you know, they're claustrophobic or they're in an elevator and all of a sudden that panic attack happens. And if you've ever, I'm not making light of it, but if you've ever been around someone who has anxiety attacks, that's a real, that's a real issue. They start hyperventilating, they start breathing heavy, they start almost fainting, grasping for air, and watch this, even though it's not the degree that they're thinking, they're making it think like it is a life or death situation. That's how real it is. That's how real anxiety is. How many can relate? That's how real anxiety is that you start sweating, you start gasping for air, watch this, but you know what fear is? You know what fear is? And I tell this to my family is, fear, what it really is, is false. Say it's false. It's a false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. But to the person that's real, it is bondage. And guess what? You, it will ruin your marriage. It will ruin your relationships. A person that has a fear-based relationship will try to control everything and everybody in every situation. Because they want the outcome to be according to how they would like it. And they would not want to, uh, to, to confront situations for fear of causing drama. Can I hear an amen? Number two, worry and anxiety will rob you. Oh, this is good. This is good. You're going to love me for this. Will rob you from having peace of mind. Mm. It's quiet this morning in RCC. It's usually a little louder maybe it's that hour kick that, ha- that hasn't kicked in yet fear sorry worry and anxiety look at me will rob you from the peace of mind can i just be honest with you i i will not trade peace of mind for anything in the world if you don't have peace of mind you're in bondage if you don't have peace of mind guess what happens Wherever there is peace, there's no worry or anxiety. But whenever, woo, I feel the Lord. See, here come, here, here's what I want to say this. What, what triggers worry and anxiety is the knowledge that you have about something that may be detrimental if you don't fix it. A financial issue, a home issue, a business issue. And you focus on what's going to happen if this doesn't come through. And then what happens is worry and, and, and anxiety hits and it, watch this, please hear me now because I'm speaking by the Spirit, it robs you from the peace of God in your mind. If you are bound by worry and anxiety, the enemy will use that to rob you and strip you from the peace of mind. Listen, anything that robs you from the peace of God in your heart and in your mind is bondage. But again, we choose to focus on the promise that we still haven't seen because it's easier to focus on the problem because we see it right away. But when we focus on the promise, it will give us the peace of mind. But here's the key. Here's the key. Where there, where there is worry and anxiety, there's no peace. But when there's peace, there's no worry and anxiety. I'm going to give you a recipe. Do you know, do you know that when you, I'm not a cook. My wife is a cook. And some of you guys are a cook. But you know that you need a recipe. Say a recipe. To cook something. You just just don't say, I want a cake, and it happens. You have to get eggs, you have to get flour, you have to get milk. I hope I said that right. Right? And then you put those together and out comes a product. Watch this. The recipe. I'm going to minister to you right now. The recipe to overcome fear and anxiety is found in scripture. I'm going to give you the recipe right now. This is the recipe and out comes the product. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Very popular scripture, but I want you to see... And a couple of scriptures from now, the recipe, say recipe, to overcome the bondage of fear when it comes to worry and anxiety. Just out of raising hands, I want you to be honest with you. How many have suffered from worry and anxiety in your life? Okay, that's, see, that's why it got so quiet. Every one of us, including me, have suffered from that. But to the degree that we suffer of it, we'll make sure if we are in bondage or not. Because it, it actually could control you. It could control, do you know that fear and anxiety could actually prohibit you from prayer, from prayer and from being thankful and from, and from loving God? Watch, I'm going to give you the recipe. Are you ready? Here's the recipe to overcome wo- fear in the branch of worry and anxiety. Be anxious for some things. Wait, 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 let me adjust my, my eyes. Be anxious for, the, for, for a little things. No, wait, it doesn't say that either. Be anxious for nothing. By the way, that's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's not saying if it feels good to you, don't be anxious. If the problem is kind of less, don't be anxious. Only if it's deep problems, be anxious. No, he says be anxious for nothing. In the NLT, it says don't worry about anything. If you read that in the NLT, the NLT says don't worry about anything. Now watch, here's the recipe. But in everything, oh, I love this. By prayer. Say prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. Let your request be, oh I feel the Holy Spirit. Let your request be made known to God and here's the product, here's the cake, here's the the recipe produces something and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will settle in your heart and mind. Look at me. Look at me. Here is the recipe for fear when it comes to worry and anxiety. There's three main realities, and I want you to write this down. The first and foremost foundational recipe is to be made perfect in love. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Contrary to popular opinion, the opposite of fear is not boldness. Is, is love. It doesn't say perfect boldness casts out fear. It says perfect love casts out fear. Boldness is a byproduct of you and I being perfected in God's love for us. In other words, when you know how much God loves you, when you know how much He gave Himself to you, I said this before, listen to me. The cross is not a revelation of our sin, the cross is a revelation of our value. Because He, heaven went bankrupt. To give us what the son of God in our lives. How, how much worthy are you f- with that? So the first foundation is being perfected in love because the Bible in 1 John chapter 4, the first scripture I read said, he who is in fear has not been made perfected in love. What does that mean? Is that the revelation of love being loved completely by the father and knowing who you are in Christ. When you know that as a foundation, then comes the two recipes. So the foundation is being perfected in love. Say love. Knowing that he's going to take care of you, knowing that he's not going to leave you an orphan, knowing that he's not going to leave you dry and and, and leave you out there without any income, God is going to take care of you. But worry says, what about this bill? What about that situation? What about my this? What about my son? What about my daughter? What about this coming up? And you focus on the problem instead of the promise. But here's the recipe. Number two, prayer. Here here it is. I, I know it's simple. Now watch. Prayer, say prayer. Getting alone with God and getting into his presence will eliminate the worry that you have. You say, oh, come on, PG, that's just not going to do it. Again, if you are filled with the fullness of joy because in his presence there's fullness of joy, then you have little room for worry. I heard some uh, someone years ago say, uh, preach on the title, you're full of it. I'm like, you're full of it? And he was about to, um, he was about to uh, watch pornography. He was a, he was a, a, a man of God, and he was just going through some tough times in his life, and the enemy was the enemy was was attempting him to go into this dark path, and he heard the voice of the Lord say, you're full of it. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean full of it? He goes, you're too full with my presence to have room for anything like that. Have you guys ever been... Have you guys ever, uh, uh, they say don't go shopping when you're hungry because then you start getting, you get things that you don't normally get. Years ago, I went shopping with my wife and I was hungry and I got, I said, babe, I want that, that jar of pickles. She goes, babe, you're not going to eat that. Go. Uh, yes, sir. So I would get that jar of pickles and you watch me eat it. You watch kosher pickles. And she's like, babe, I said, we made a bet. So three months later, I had to bow down and say, you're right, because the pickles were still there and I didn't even eat any of them. You know why? Because I made an impulsive decision. Watch this when i was empty i'm going to preach a little bit when i was empty i gave in to a lot of things but if i'm full see i love cheesecake how many love cheesecake glory to buy, ha, ha 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 if i'm on an empty stomach and you give me cheesecake i don't care if i'm going to die i'm like oh maybe just a little bit i mean i'm going to be tempted very easy but if i just got out of like carabbas or something go come on somebody and I'm, eating a, uh, uh, and I'm eating a steak, and I'm full to the max, and I'm going like this out. If somebody offers me cheesecake, I'm not going to want it, not because I don't like it, because I'm too full. When I'm full, it gives me little room, oh, man, to yield to the delicacies of the world. Even though I know that I like it, I'm like, it, it's so distracting for me right now because I can't fit another thing in there. In his presence, there's fullness, 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 fullness of joy. What does that have to do with anything? How do you get in his presence? Prayer. You know the recipe? The recipe, be anxious for nothing? In prayer. Number one, that's the recipe, prayer. Some of you guys, the reason why I feel the Holy Ghost. The reason why you guys are not experiencing freedom from worry and anxiety, because you're lacking in your personal prayer life. Go back to the one. Go back in his presence. Close the door and seek God. Get filled with your presence. You see where he just goes. You, know you know what the second recipe is? Thanksgiving. You will be surprised what happens to your mind. You will be surprised what happens to your emotions. You will be surprised what happens to your heart when you learn to be thankful for every situation you're in. Even when you have trials and tribulations. You will be amazed what happens to your heart when you choose to be thankful in everything. When you and I are chose to be thankful in everything through prayer, the the natural escape of worry and anxiety will happen. Do you know everyone is looking for the will of God nowadays? What's the will of God? What's the will of God? I'm going to prophesy to every one of you without having the gift of the sermon. I have the gift of the sermon, but I don't need the gift of the sermon today to tell you. I'm about to tell you your will, the will of God for every one of you today, right now. And this is it. This is it. The will of God for you is to be thankful and prayer in everything. You say, oh, come on, that's right. All right, 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to give you the recipe again. How many want to see the recipe again? It's the recipe again, word for word, in 1 Thessalonians. And it's in chapter uh, 5, verse 16. Okay, look at what it says. Are you ready? It says, rejoice always. Pray. hmm. Here is the word again. Pray without what? Now that doesn't mean, that word pray without season doesn't mean like, you're like, always like, out loud praying like in McDonald's or like yeah, your job. How you doing? You doing good? I'm doing good. I'm... Do you want some change in the name of Jesus? No, no, no. <laughs> like I know you have to live your life. What it means by pray without ceasing is a pattern, is a habitualness in your life, a discipline that you're always coming back to the place of prayer. It's important. One of the lost arts of the body of Christ is our personal prayer life. As a matter of fact, if you interview any Christian, you'll say, what's your biggest struggle in your walk with God? I'm not, I'm not bondage, but in your walk with God, what's your biggest struggle? Most of them will say, my prayer life, my prayer time. Thank you for that. No amen. <laughs> so watch, look at, the will, look, look at the recipe. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In what? In what? In everything. Say what? For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. In in Philippians 4, it says, you want peace of mind? You want anxiety to leave you? Pray. Pray and give thanks. Right? That's what it says. And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall settle in your heart. In Thessalonians, it says, here's the same recipe. Pray without ceasing and in everything. That means when your son goes, when your bank account goes, when your college tuition doesn't go through, everything give thanks. You will be amazed what happens in your heart when you posture yourself in thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. You can't even enter his gates without being thankful. You know what thankfulness does to you? It will eliminate the, that, that mentality of complaining and murmuring. Ooh. See, we murmur and complain because we're not thankful. And here's the problem. Jesus dedicates 11 verses. I don't have, to, I don't have time to share with you. But Jesus dedicates 11 verses in Matthew chapter 6 in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. 11, guys, in his sermon all on worry and fear and anxiety. He says, he says look at the birds of the air. Why do you worry? He said, they, neighbor, they neither sow or they reap. Yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. Are you not more valuable than they? And then he goes on to say, your very hairs on your head are numbered. When was the last time you numbered your your How? was the last time you said to, to your, your son or your daughter that's hair follicle three thousand and twenty eight here 's the thing you and I will not be made perfect in, without in fear and anxiety without this recipe the recipe is being perfected in love is prayer say prayer say thankfulness watch this because what are you focusing on the problem is is that Stop focusing on what you don't have, come on, come on, stop focusing on what you don't have and start focusing on what you do have. It's, the, it's what I call the five loaves, two fish mentality. There was a boy, That I mean, come on, let's just be real, let's just be real, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be real with you today. You have 5,000 people, y'all, come on. Yeah, the, the boy wasn't stupid, there's 5,000 people and everyone's hungry, including the boy, including the boy. See, we always preach about the five loaves and two fish. The boy who didn't have some supernatural powers that he wasn't hungry, he was hungry like everybody else. They came to Jesus and said, hey, there's a problem, Jesus. There's 5,000 people here and they're all hungry. And then he goes, you feed them. Oh, well, I don't, any, I don't have any food. And then the disciples said, hey, look, there's this little boy that has five loaves and two fish. But here's, here's the revelation of that boy. He could have said, he could have focused on what he didn't have. Come on, let me preach to you. He could have said, oh, heck no. no. I, this is, I barely have for me and my, my mom. No, 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 I'm just going to have me and my mom, you guys, this is just five loaves, of fish. There's no way. It can't feed barely two people, let alone 5,000 people. He didn't say that. He focused on what he had. He goes, all I have is five loaves, two fish. But what I have, I'll give you. And he saw Jesus multiply the five loaves of two fish. And guess what happened to that boy? 5,000 got fed and then he had barrel, 12 barrels extra to take home with him and the disciples. Here's my point. You have to learn how to focus on what you have, not focus on what you don't have. Because if not, then you start comparing yourself to everybody, and then fear and anxiety will come. Can I hear an amen? This is the reality. Now, now, in the next, I want the worship team to come up for the next ten minutes or so. I want to talk about the, the 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 biggest fear factor in our life—not just worry and anxiety. Are you getting something this morning? But the fear of man. Now when I say, for those of you who are new, when I say the fear of man, I'm not saying being scared of a human being. (laughs) the, The terminology, the fear of man, is another word that I want you to use. Seeking the approval of people. Here's the dangerous thing about the fear of man, and this is why it's bondage. Because seeking the approval of people when it comes to a bondage, you seek their approval at the expense of compromising the truth of the word of God. Because you don't want to talk about that heavy topic at the dinner table, or you don't want to stand up for righteousness and holiness because you fear repercussions from the person that's in that room, you don't even know it, but you're bound to them. Do you know that the fear of man binds you to people, and it's enslavement? I'm going to share this with you. I want you to look up the screen. It's in. It's it's going to be on the screen, the scripture. Proverbs 29, verse 25. This is a powerful scripture. I want you to write it down. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this. Are you ready? Are you ready? The fear of man brings what? Oh. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Why does, last week we talked about offense being a trap and being a snare. And it doesn't kill you, but it stops your progress. Do you know that the fear of man stops your progress and it's a trap? Say a trap. The fear of man, the Bible says, is a snare. Some of you guys won't open your mouth because there's certain people in your family that you know will cause drama. And so to avoid causing drama, you'll compromise the truth because you don't want drama. That's a false peace. It's a false peace. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. When you are making peace with somebody and not being afraid, fear, about their uh, response or their opinions, then you know you're truly free. But if you make, come on now, if you make decisions, even secretly in your heart, based on how other people will react, you're going to be in bondage and you're never going to have true reconciliation. You know why? Because reconciliation with other people involves you talking to them. Which means you have to get over the fear of man to reconcile with someone that hurt you. Because a lot of people don't want to reconcile from the people that hurt them for fear that they're gonna blow up or they're gonna blame everything on you and then more hurt's gonna happen. Do you realize that it's a snare? Say a snare. And many people don't get delivered from this. Please hear me now. I'm almost closing in the next eight minutes Here is because they blame their personalities. They blame their personalities. I know know someone's like, you better hear that right now. The reason people don't get free is because you blame the fear of man on your personality. And it's so easy to hide behind that excuse because then, if it's your personality, then you say, well, it's not me. God created me this way. So when you hide behind, I'm an I'm a introvert, or um, I, that's just the way God gave, made me, and you don't deal with the fear of man. there's Oh, yes, Lord, I hear that. You know what the fear of man will produce? Look at me. Intimidation. And intimidation is bondage. You won't be able to talk to your boss about wanting Sundays off. I've had little people say, pray for me, Pastor. I need Sunday off. I go talk to your boss. I don't want to talk to my boss. You don't understand what happens if I talk to my boss. I said, talk to your boss. What's going to happen? In t- they can't get freedom because they're more worried about how someone will react in- instead of how God wants to promote them. The fear of man brings a snare and it seeks to shut you up from speaking the truth. Say shut up. <laughs> don't tell me to shut up, but. The fear of man is going to be up there, seeks to shut you up From speaking the truth. I'm going to roll some scriptures out. John chapter 12, verse 42, verse 43. Look at this. Nevertheless, it's going to be up there. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many people believed in him. Say they believed in him. Come on, say they believed in him. Say, but, look at this, because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Watch this. Lest they should be put out of the synagogues, for they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Woo. They shut up from speaking about Jesus because if they spoke about Jesus being the Messiah, then those Jews would have kicked them out. And, they, and the Bible says they love the opinions of people more than the opinions of God. Guys, that's bondage. I said that's bondage. I said that's bondage. They love they loved the praises of people more than they loved God. And so when you're bound by the approval of people, your concern is how they view you, how they accept you, and now your success is based on their view of you. And you have to realize that's where, again, I talked about offense, that's where offense comes. The only way that you could offend me is if I give you permission to have rulership over my life to have your emotions if I cared what you said and if I cared what you meant uh, uh, if, uh, uh, according to the word of God then I won't then I won't say those things but if I know that I'm accepted by Jesus how can you take away something that you never gave me so you have to realize you will serve and obey who you fear say that with me I will serve and obey who I fear I'm going to say that again. Say it with me. I will serve and obey who I fear. Look at 2 Peter verse 2. Sorry, Second Peter chapter 2 verse 19. Are you getting something this morning? I'm going to set you free from all kinds of fear. The Lord wants to set you free from worry, from anxiety, from insecurity, from the fear of man. How many believe it's about time that we be free from the fear of man? Seriously. It's so liberating when you can say, you know what, lovingly. Lovingly to a group of people. See, here, here, let me pause and say this. I feel the Holy Spirit. Being delivered from the f- fear of man doesn't mean that you're rude, a license to be rude. It just means you stand up for truth and not compromise to get their approval. Here's the problem. Here's a, here's, a, here's a situation. The Bible says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. How many love to live godly? How many want to live godly? The Bible in Timothy says, those who want to live godly shall suffer persecution. Welcome. You want to live for holiness? You know, it's so liberating to, to, to sit by somebody that you know has issues with certain sins. And if they ask you a question, well, well what does the Bible say about homosexuality? What does the Bible say? And so even now when I say that in this progressive age, I'm already turning off a lot of people. Because we're so progressive in this age. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying there's a difference between judgmental with a nasty attitude than being sticking to the word. And so when someone says, you know, what, what, what do you say? What do you say about, about homosexuality? And then the people who have fear of man will be like, well, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, he, he just, he, he accepts everybody, you know. But yeah, he does, he accepts everybody, but he does call homosexuality a sin. Now, now this is being live streamed right now. If I was afraid of what people would tell me, I wouldn't even utter those things. Do you know why? Because people have lost congregation members because of speaking the truth. But here's the problem. If I'm scared, then I'm bound to you. But I don't want to be bound to you. And I don't want to be bound to people's opinions. Je- let, let, let's talk to Jesus for a second. Jesus. Yes. What do, you, what, do you say about, what do you say about these things? Well, go ahead and go ahead and Jesus went to the rich young ruler. Go ahead and give to the poor. You do that. Okay, I've done that since I was little. What else do I lack? Now Jesus could have said, you know what? I if I if I say the truth, he is gonna go. And he knew who was going to go. Jesus said, "Go ahead and sell everything you have and follow me." Could you imagine in this day if I, if somebody said that, I'm leaving that church. It's over. <laughs> Jesus said, "Give up everything, follow me." The rich and ruler said, "I'm out." Peace. You don't see Jesus going. Wait, 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 wait. Come back. No, no, I really didn't say that. Just give half of your goods. Come, come, just stay. He's like, "Verily, verily, I say unto you." It's easier for a camel to rock, pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man who trusts in his riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. My point is, Jesus was not afraid to speak the truth. Now I want you. To, I'm, I'm going to close in five minutes here. Give me a little bit extra time, and I'm going to share this with you. The fear of man will bring intimidation and will ruin your calling. Just give me five minutes. Watch this. Do you remember? Do you remember Elijah? Again, I don't have time. Do you remember Elijah? How many remember Elijah? Some of you are looking at me like, huh? How many remember Elijah? Okay, Elijah was a man of God, and he had 400, there was a contest in Israel. And they would want to say, okay, the true God will answer by fire. By fire. The true God. Okay, whoever the true God is going to answer by fire. Could you imagine if I said that? You know what? If, if God called RCC, let fire come down from heaven right now. So he said, so there's prophets of Baal over here, false prophets, and there's just one man of God over here and other men of God here. And they're like, okay, whoever answers by fire is a true God. Now, watch this, true God. So, all these other prophets of Baal, they're like cutting themselves and they're like, oh, Baal, come fire. And they're like, oh, oh, oh. And he, even Elijah joked with them and said, go ahead, call harder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe, maybe he's doing. That's what it says in, the, in one of the translations. Maybe your God is in the bathroom, in the toilet. Go ahead, call higher. Oh. After hours, nothing happened. Elijah comes on the scene. All right, God, let them know that I'm your servant and let fire come down and consume this altar. But remember what happened, he said pour water to make it harder on God. Put it again, water, put it again. Four times he put water on that altar to make it real hard on God. He said God come, fire licked up that thing. And and long story short, he executed the false prophets of Baal, right, the very next day. You talk about fear, uh, canceling the call of God. This is a man that just called down fire from heaven. The next day, Jezebel said, may it be to you, to the gods, do it to me, if your life is not like one of these by tomorrow. You know what Elijah did? He ran for his life in the opposite direction for 40 days and 40 nights because of fear and intimidation. But he called down fire yesterday. But because of intimidation, he went the opposite direction. And you know what? After he got to the cave after 40 days, he heard a voice saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing? You know what I feel the Lord saying to some of you guys? You've been fearful. You've been running the opposite direction of your calling because you fear. I hear this, Lord. You fear commitment because other churches hurt you, so you don't commit yourself to the local church. Or you feel reje- you fear rejection because you don't want people to hurt you, or you fear or you or, or you fear some sort of fear of getting involved. Fear of commitment, fear of rejection, or you fear failing. And because you fear failure, you never start anything. Because you say, if I start something, I'm going to fail. You're already giving yourself two strikes before you start. And some of you are are going the opposite direction of your calling because you're afraid to accept your call because you know what you would have to give up. And you're running in the opposite direction. God is saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I'm going to close with a couple of scriptures then we're going to pray. Are you ready? Because of time. Do you know it's possible to it's possible to follow God at a distance? You know that Peter, the Bible says, he loved, he, he, he followed Jesus at a distance when Jesus was arrested. The Bible clearly says, but Peter followed at a distance. Do you know that that's a deception? You can follow God and follow God at a distance and say that it's okay. You're following God at a distance saying... I will, I will do barely enough to survive in the kingdom of God. I'm not going to make any noise. I'm not going to rock the boat. Go ahead, Jesus. You know why he did that? It's not because he didn't love God. He loved Jesus with all his heart, but he was more, uh, 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 he was more concerned about the opinions of people than the opinions of Jesus who was about to get crucified. And he followed God at a distance. I'm going to close with this. Look at these scriptures. They're going to be up on the screen. I'm going to reel them off, and then we're going to pray. John chapter 7, verse 13. John chapter 7, verse 13. Are you there? However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. So here's an example where they wanted to speak openly about Jesus, but they, the disciples and the believers, did not speak up because they feared. Everybody say fear. They feared the Jews. Do you see that the fear of man will will shut you up from your calling? Hello? It will shut you up. Look at the last verse. John chapter 19 verse 38. Look at John chapter 19, verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, watch this, watch this, but secretly, say secretly, for fear, say fear, say fear. So he was a disciple, but he was a secret disciple because of fear. I wonder how many secret disciples there are in in the church today. Hmm. He was being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave them permission, so he came and he took the body of Jesus. Look at me, guys. This is debilitating. How many would agree on that? The fear of people or the need for approval of people will shut you up and it will cause your calling to be on pause. And you will never go 100 miles an hour for the Lord. Why? Because of fear. There's some people that battle fear of of demonic oppression there's some people in here that 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 have real anxiety issues and we're going to pray for you today you have real worry issues that God is going to break today because you're going to focus on the right thing and not what is not yet happening yet and some of you are going to be delivered from the fear of man when you're in a fear-based relationship two things happen control and manipulation. Do you know that without them knowing, if you have a fear of man, you're being manipulated by those people. And sometimes they don't even know that they're manipulating you. Because you are shortcutting some things that you're supposed to do, and they're manipulating you. And do you know that people that I know that are in a fear-based relationship, they're actually manipulate, um, they'll actually actually manipulate circumstances. They'll, manip- they'll, they'll have the right kind of people around them. Come on, somebody. they have the right kind of mood, the right kind of atmosphere so that they won't have to give in to saying the truth. Because if they say the truth, then they have to face repercussions. Remember what sets you free in the beginning. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth. And the truth that you know and apply will set you free. If the truth sets you free, then the fear of man will stop you and silence you from speaking truth. Let's stand up. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to sing this song. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. Come on, say that with me. I know you guys are tired because of the time change, but don't let the devil get you this morning. We're going to attack this thing. We're going to attack worry. We're going to attack anxiety. And we're going to attack the fear of man. Listen, some of you, in the next couple of weeks, I feel from the Lord that you're facing some major challenges in your life. You're facing some financial things in your life. But I'm telling you, do not give in to fear and anxiety because that's debilitating and the Lord wants to set you free. As a matter of fact, I hear this from the Lord. Some of you have refused to give faithfully because of fear of not having enough. And what you don't realize is that you're canceling the the very recipe for you to get in abundance in your life because the kingdom of God is not fearful is an advancement, it's not retreat it's when you give, it shall be given to you I received a powerful prophetic word this past Friday because the Holy Spirit said sow into somebody and I said I'm going to sow into this prophet and as soon as I sowed it, without me asking the Holy Spirit supernaturally supernaturally confirmed things to me that I was in tears you have to be willing to let it go Fear is bondage. Lift up your hands right now. Come on, right now. We're going to sing this all over this place. We're going to confess this over ourselves. I'm no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.